Happy Monday and welcome back to the Airport Minute where each and every Monday through Friday we count up to the 137th minute of the show about the greatest disaster movie ever made, Airport from 1970 Universal Pictures. I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of tvdads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of covertops.tv. And this week, we've got Mr. Brett Stillo in the co-pilot seat. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. A uh, yeah, little bit about me. I'm a videographer. I'm a writer, part-time actor. And uh, I may or may not have played Paolo, little Paolo in, uh, in airport. That is for you to decide. <laughs> Very exciting. And a possible survivor of this uh, flight, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can tell you stories, but uh, we'll save that. We're only at minute 41, so we have a long way to go. That's right. And here we are at minute 41, which uh, we're calling Hey Rube. Hey Rube. uh, Named after none other than the great Joe Petroni. Uh, (laughs) Once again, we are still in the uh, trans-global hangar, which is where they tuck in the 707s at night. And we're we're getting a great image of the the 707 that's uh, being pushed out to the tarmac there. That's flight two going out. And uh, Vern and Anson are going over what's been done to their uh, their little jet on, that's going to take them to Rome tonight. Uh, ha- uh, Hanson uh, Harris is uh, going over since he's the uh, pilot tonight, and Vern's checking him out. He was going over all the maintenance issues with uh, th- their particular 707 uh, tail number three two four. It seems like hyperbole when you're watching this, where they're talking about taking apart different pieces and parts, and they replace all the wiring that goes to uh, the number two engine that was there. But they actually do that, and that's that is one of the the basic rules of uh, commercial and private airline aircraft flight. There's a there's a thing called an airworthiness certificate, and it all relies on how the mechanics feel the the machine's going. And if it's not going, they make sure that it will go for the next flight. It's, uh, it's nice to know that. I mean, the, the only thing that's really going to go wrong on a ship, unless there's something basically bad in the design is the pilot it, or, you know, or people that get on that plane, like some guy from uh, the North side of Chicago with uh, strange things in his briefcase. <laughs> but it's a, it's a refreshing scene. As it, this is a great view of the 707 that, that they're using. I mean, if you think about that jet that, that is right behind them is 140 feet, 144 feet long. So just to give you an idea of the scale of that hangar bay, uh, it's an amazing building. I think it comes across on this movie, but you kind of lose scale of how big these things were. And you know, imagine trying to light something like that so that it'll come out good on a Technicolor film. That's, uh, that's what we're looking at. Imagine how many lights they had to line up at one end of the hangar to, to get that picture. Quick quick question. Was the, was the 707 called a jumbo jet or did that start with a 747 that that was a 747 okay. the age of the jump there were jumbo jets at the time that's just they weren't in this movie they've been around for about four years um they were just starting to come into uh into play right about now and we'll be, we'll be looking at a scene next week where burt lancaster starts talking about having to deal with jumbo jets uh, at his little airport so it, uh, they're going to need a lot more than two little runways to to handle all that stuff well they just need to jet dredge the channel a little more, I think. Yeah, well, I think Barry, <laughs> Barry Metalwood and the people that live there. That's what that's what's gonna probably be the best solution is just keep making it a little bit bigger. And once again, look how well dressed these two pilots are. I mean, oh, yeah. kudos to Edith Head, right? Yeah, I, yeah, she. I love that she, little. That's the subtle thing of the the little black lining on the lapels. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and the epaulets too. And the epaulets, yeah. You know, watching this opening scene with these two guys, and you have, you know, veteran character actor Barry Nelson. You probably talked about him in the last minute. You know, he was a, a favorite of mine, but, you know, 
him and Dino, like watching this scene, I'm figuring they're both early 50s and just the demeanor and the conversation and that that like pilot cool. You know, I suddenly pictured these guys uh, wearing A2 jackets and 50 mission crush caps with their mate Wests over their shoulder and there was a B-17 behind him. So um, you get it, you know, you get one sense in this minute and the next minute that some of air, some elements of airport is a war movie. You know, all these guys are have to be uh, military veterans of some kind. And I think just the way they attack these problems is just, you know, they're cold warriors in peacetime. And uh, so that, I just got a sense of that energy. It's like, yeah, these guys probably both flew for Frank Savage in 12 o'clock high. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, – if Gregory Peck, if they needed a third pilot, Gregory Peck would be next to them. So um, it it really does come through. And, you know, it, it speaks of a time and a place. You look at the – at these movies, the people that they were trying to attract to see these movies were also, uh, you know, World War II veterans. Right. So, this I think the demographics are based on who the who the passengers are and who the uh, you know who the crew is. Yeah. As I recall back then, you know, to be a, a commercial you know jet pilot, at least with a big airline, you had to be, you know, military veteran, multi engine. Yeah. Yeah. And this was, I mean, the seven hundred seven was an established plane, but it really was only ten years in. I mean, it started. In 1959, they're still using that's an older one. That's a 707-120 in the background, right. and uh, you know it's just classic. The age of the jet set was just it was just becoming established. It was still still had the glamour, still had the idea that you were dealing with ships captains mm. that were you know were, they, these guys weren't bus drivers. They right. were you know, they were there to take you on a journey that was uh, you know that was going to be professional the whole thing was very professional so much that you probably would show up in a dress or a tie when you got into the plane you were dressed like you're going to the laundromat exactly yeah when yeah. i when i take a flight today i feel uh, a little more re- reassured when you see like an older probably ex military guy getting into the cockpit when yeah i mean i i, I don't know it it's it, these guys are getting further and further away, though. I yeah, think yeah, yeah. No, seeing... no, no, no. You're a lot, a lot of younger pilots, a lot of women pilots, which is which is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the, I, the military it... angle is is less, uh, say, crucial now. You know, you can get you can get your multi engine and you know go through the motion. But you know, I seem to recall with uh, like specifically with Pan Am, you had to be uh, you know you had to have military time and multi engines. Um, Real, real quick story. An uncle of mine who was in the Air Force in World War II. Um, he had a college roommate. He was a fighter pilot. He flew uh, P thirty eight guy, but he could get wow. an airline job because there was a little like, now nah, you're a fighter guy. We need we need bomber or transport guys. And but I flew a P thirty eight. That's multi engine. No, sorry, you're going to try to barrel roll over the Grand Canyon or something. So. <sighs> And that's, I mean, that could explain why Mel has a desk job, because there's an argument uh, somewhere down in the single-digit minutes where uh, Vern and Mel are having a, having a discussion about his snow-shoveling techniques, and he said, you, uh, were a, you flew those pursuit jobs that you could put down in a parking lot. Oh. And so that probably knocked Mel out of the running for, you know, flying a big uh, multi-engine, 130-passenger uh, aircraft. So he took the desk job, and probably want to get behind the wheel again, but there was no uh, requirement for him to be there. Right. Yeah, just that so, there, there was that classic rivalry, you know? Yeah. Fighter guys, you're the movie stars. We deliver the goods. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, 
it, it is. I mean, nowadays, I had worked for a, a British aerospace back about 20 years ago, and we had several flight simulators at our at our facility. And a lot of the guys coming through doing training, they had just they put up their own money to learn how to fly multi-engine planes. And, you know, because there really weren't a lot of people coming out of the military. It's kind of a lull in the action there. And there weren't a lot of uh, available jet uh, flyers. And so private citizens, you know, they had they had their uh, private pilot's license, but they worked on their Part 135 to get commercial. And paying, you know, paying for it out of their own pockets, it's a different world now that, you know, these guys came came from. You know, you kind of miss that time, but in another way, you know, you don't because I don't think... I don't think the days of flying smaller planes like this is, is going to come around again. You need the bigger the bigger planes just to justify the uh, the the, you know, the cash requirements of an airline. Yeah, like I said, just the, just the way they they relate to one another, and you know, you I'm going to pol- I polish my wings for you. you yeah, know, I, yeah, I, I almost want to imagine that they they knew each other in the army. And it's, it goes back even further than uh, TGA. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there there is kind of an officer core here yeah. that you're seeing. Yeah. yeah, he treats him with much more respect than uh, Burt Lancaster. Yeah, well, it's band of brothers, you know. Yeah, de- definitely. Yeah. So uh, we're we're watching the uh, the maintenance portion of this, and then we're back with Petroni, who the, the Highway Patrol. I guess Mel finally waited 15 minutes to call the Highway Patrol rather than getting him in, and uh, he drives up in that. Is that a Valiant? I was trying to figure out what kind of uh, vehicle the uh, oh. the police were pulling him up in. Maybe, oh uh, yeah, it's or a Dart. I'll, I'll yeah, look at it again. But you know, it was the you know the at that time late sixties. Yeah, uh, Chrysler and Dodge pretty much had the market on police cars. Mm. Yeah, they're big yeah. Mopar. So oh. uh, and, the, and yeah. those huge spinning lights. I, yeah. I remember those. Yeah, yeah, it's it's real uh, Leslie Nielsen esque. Cherry tops, I love those. I'd kind of forgotten about those. It reminded me, you know, I I had a Hot Wheel that looked just like that. Wow, <laughs> I had a stick on cherry top, and I don't know what I ever did with it, but I thought it was pretty cool. You could the lights would go around and flashing. Oh, neat! And it, it, it's it's really impressive with the uh, the lens flare. I mean, very popular, you know, late sixties, early seventies to have to catch lens flares in the screen. La, uh, Laszlo, the uh, cinematographer, obviously was aiming for a modern look there. And a lot of times that that was kind of avoided in earlier films. They didn't want to show the, you know, they considered it a defect to have a lens flare in the camera, but it, it it's very much a part of this era of movie making, getting the light right in the frame and, you know, having, having it watch, watch it go through that kind of sets the period there. So Joe gets out of the car and goes over and talks to, uh, to Mel in front of the Melmobile. Mel explains yet another failure to delegate. So he tried to go out and get some, uh, some snow shovelers for him. Uh, Petroni lays it on him, so he's saying that I knew you'd blow it. Yeah, which like, yeah. a great line. The the weirdest part with with his little um, comeback on there was he said, "We're not like those stiffs up in the front office who wear ties." Joe's wearing a tie. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I did. Yep, there you have. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you know you you know yeah. Joe definitely again. There's a military thing here. You know, Joe's an NCO. You know, just oh, like definitely like yeah. the brass. But, uh, you know, I think Mel's like that one, like, you know, junior grade officer, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's captain Bakersfield or, or something like that. It's like, you, you're cool. And yeah. he knows that, you know, he can, you know, he can twist his nose and he can, he can bug him. You know, I knew you'd blow it. 
yeah, yeah, he's um, he, yeah, he's the he's the C, the CPO of of the. He, you know, Mel may think he runs the airport, but Joe's the guy yeah. that's in charge of the place. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, Lancaster's. You know, Joe, I need you. We got a tow nine open, Joe. This is, it means everything to Joe. They'll turn Lincoln into a hippie commune. The Biet Kong will be in at the White House by Christmas, Joe. We got to get it open by tonight. And, get me two nighter now. Yeah. They're you know again like it's like watching uh, Barry Nelson and Dean Martin when they've got people to work against they've it, it's like two guys on a seesaw they yeah. really can work each other so good they they build each other up so much yeah. and I don't think this was more than one take I think they got it the first time around and they were okay with it well, Kirk doesn't like scene. to do more than one take yeah well neither did Dino yeah. so they I think. I think Bert got along with George Kennedy a lot better than Who he did with Gene Who wouldn't get Stevens. along with George Kennedy? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I you know, want to get along for, with George Kennedy. Then uh, going out for drinks afterwards. I mean, it must, it must have been a great crew up there on the, uh, on the location, at least with uh, you know, some of the older, uh, the old guard that, that was on this movie. I would think that uh, they, they'd be sitting sit around, especially waiting for, the, uh, uh, waiting for the snow to fall because they were up there for, I think, almost two weeks before they had the first snow. <laughs> Difficult times. But yeah, it's really entertaining watching these two pros go at it and be able to work the script as they do. I like the little bit with uh, uh, Joe throwing a coat on top of a coat. It, I don't understand why he didn't have a coat with him when he left the house. But yeah, you know, I guess this is his special work coat. They all, I mean, and that's another thing that George Seaton does. He always gives them some business to do while they're, you know, while they're while they're in the scene. They don't just get to stand there with their hands by their side. The only the only failure I've ever seen him in this one so far is when uh, Gene Seberg was down at the customs office. He, she just kind of stands there with her hands at her side because she's got nothing to wave around, no pieces of paper or anything. But all in all, a a great a, a great minute here. Uh, Joe tells Mel he orders Mel around. He goes, "Let's get going. I've got my you know I've got a hot broad waiting for me at home." So they get in the Melmobile and they're ready to roll. It's a nice start of uh, what's going to be a bunch of great scenes here, and uh, I think I think we're on, we're in for a, a good week of, of solid action, even though it's mostly about snow shoveling and talking with uh, girlfriends and significant others. But uh, we'll pick this up again tomorrow. Let's uh, let's all join back up here in about twenty three and three quarter hours. But <laughs> thank you for joining us here uh, for Monday's episode. If you'd like to comment on this particular minute or any other minute. You can reach out to us on social media. We're on Twitter at Airport Minute. You can uh, find us on Facebook, Airport Minute, also at the Commander's Club for Airport Minute. You can also join us at our great big website, airportminute.com, where you can pretty much comment on every single episode, go to the bottom of every page, and there's a big commentary section where people can slog it out on things. Also, if if you're enjoying this uh, podcast, please join us at iTunes, where you can subscribe and get this uh, wonderful podcast delivered every single day, Monday through Friday, uh, right to your mobile device. So uh, try all those things. And if you do use iTunes, please leave us a great review because uh, the more reviews we have, the more people find out about the show and then we'll hear more commentary and the whole cycle feeds on itself. So there you have it. Uh, Join us back here tomorrow when we uh, will find the continuing adventures of Joe Petroni as he fights the old demon snow. So in the meantime, meantime, good day. Bye-bye. Bye. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling.